Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. And that's the first act of self-determination that puts all the rest of the good ones in play for the rest of your life, is to act upon the first one. When, when Jesus bids a woman and he bids a, a man to follow him, he calls us to die to ourselves and to commit to follow him and look into Jesus. Follow me, I will make you a fisher of men and lose our life in him and find our life through him. And that's, it's got to happen. And that's where we find our life and live the life worth living. And in that self-determination to respond in faith, then one step of faith becomes another step of faith, and the compound effects of steps of faith and a life of faith and a journey of faith and chapters of faith and seasons of faith, and then just your whole life is a legacy of faith as you keep choosing to live by faith and obey the Spirit of the Lord speaking to you and speaking to me and speaking to us in the body of Christ for the call in our life. We are self-determined. It's it's them, them, this, that, and everything else, and then the Holy Spirit says, but you— and no matter what our age is, young or old, it's, it really comes down to looking up to the Lord, look to the Lord and be radiant, looking in the mirror at that person and walking out that door and doing what God's called you to do. That's it. You look up, get right vertically. You look in the mirror, get right with that person, with the Lord. And then you walk out that door and you serve humanity. And that's the life that we're called to live. And we're self-determined to choose that life or not. But it really is simple, isn't it? It's not complicated. In fact, the next point will show how simple it is. The need to understand our calling is there, but the destiny of the calling is really fulfilled for our place in the universe and the human experience by not blaming the environment, not making excuses, but accepting responsibility, embracing the opportunities, find out what it is we're called to do, and go get it. I was going through my emails today, and I saw the email that Anthony Dean sent Brian McDaniel's latest thing coming out of uh, Haiti, and he's in this thing, and he's, they're handing out Bibles, and they've turned the tide on the evil in their region, and good things are happening now. And I just think, like, Brian McDaniel's is just so amazing. Some of you know him. He's just like, how do you even do that? Where people are killing each other, roadblocks, and doing all this stuff, and stealing, and the port, and all this crime and corruption. He just keeps going back, and now he's just, like, handing out Bibles to gang members who just are being offered eternal life. You, you find your calling, and you go get it. Brian McDaniel went on all kinds of missions. He was a financial investor guy a long time ago. And 20 years ago at WG, he gave his life. Well, he had given his life to the Lord. He got more fired up for the Lord. And he went on this mission trip here, and he went on that mission trip there, and then this mission trip. But somehow when he went to Haiti, that was it. Like he just, God put him in the poorest, most violent country in the world and said, that's your calling. And Cross to Light has been going for at least 15 years now, the ministry. All those church plants. and See, you accept that responsibility. You go get it. You find it. And you make it happen without excuse. And I would say even without distraction. 
See, the call and the self-determination to obey the call is not subject to who's in power, not in power, who gained power, who lost power, who corrupts power, pretty much all of them, or anything else. The times that came before you, the times that you're in, it's about looking up, looking in the mirror and walking out that door and accepting the responsibility for what God has for your life in our timeline. It's a beautiful thing to be lost in the Lord and his calling. To serve the Lord without excuse. That's what Jesus really calls us to do in the New Testament. To follow him without apology, without excuse, and without distraction. And to find out truly what is that ultimate purpose going forward in our life as seasons change and good decisions is built on themselves and to fulfill it to the fullest. And it may seem insignificant, it may seem grand, but whether we fulfill it or not, it is certainly self-determined. Only you can fulfill God's call in your life for who you are at this age in your life, and only I can fulfill God's call in my life for who I am at this age in my life. It's the commonality we all have is individual free will choice with God to go fully after what he has or not. Now, the second thing we see here is in verse 8, where Asa did go for it. He, like, he took strength. It says that he took courage from the, the Holy Spirit speaking through the prophet. So he received it and he went with it. He didn't double clutch. He got after it. And it says that he removed the abominable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. See, he had recaptured some territory in the north through victories, uh, previous battles with the northern kingdom. Not only did he remove the abominable idols on the hillsides within his jurisdiction that essentially was his, Judah and Benjamin, but what he'd actually inherited in expansion, he went after that too. In other words, he left no stone unturned in obeying the Lord by what he removed. A woman or a man of faith is often most identified by what we remove more than what we build. Because when we remove the things that are blocking us from what the Lord wants to build in our lives, then he'll build. But until we remove what's in our hands holding us back, he can't fill our hands with what's taking us forward. Not only did he remove, it says also that he restored the altar of the Lord. So he removed and he restored. He subtracted and he added a body of Christ. That's pretty simple math, isn't it? If you want to grow in the Lord, which I think most of you do, we're going to grow by what we subtract. Distractions, sin, compromises, bad attitudes, unforgiveness. We're going to grow by what we subtract, and then we're going to grow by what we rebuild. Rebuilding the altar is basically saying we're going to rebuild everything that's good, true, just, noble, and praiseworthy before the Lord in our life. It's not necessarily limited to like what we may have lost in an earlier time walking with the Lord. For example, my sister Barbie had a very strong walk with the Lord at one point in her life, in her 20s. Very involved with the women's ministry and all these things. Then bad men, bad decisions, pharmaceutical drugs, alcohol, homeless for, you know, six years on the streets. It all unraveled. But as she rebuilt her life and is celebrating six years of sobriety this month, by the way, as she rebuilt her life, she really was rebuilding. She wasn't just rebuilding the good things of the Lord in general that God would have for someone. She was rebuilding the good things that she once had with the Lord between her and the Lord. Talking with her about being single at 56 in her cute little house and her great life that she has. 
She said, it's so good with the Lord. She doesn't want to do anything to wreck it. And she says, I've only had bad men, you know, and, and uh, you know, like, well, good for you, Barbie. Like, she's, because I asked, do you think you ever, like, no, no, no. And if I do, for sure, a prenuptial agreement. She goes, because every man I've ever had has taken everything I've ever owned, including my love and my soul and my heart. And in one case, even her faith. And, you know, I say to her, I go, I don't think you'll get a prenuptial. I promise you, you'll get a prenuptial. Because your son, Jimmy, would want to make sure he had a prenuptial. You don't work hard for six years to rebuild your life to hand it over to someone that's going to take it all from you. And she's doing so good. And, you know, <laughs> we want her to keep doing good. I spent every day in Florida with my sister. That doesn't always happen when I go to Florida. I made sure, because she wasn't working because she's recovering from the knee surgery, every day she's with us, in the, with, my, with me and the family and the grandkids. You know, the grandkids love Aunt Barbie, too. Coming times, like, oh, Aunt Barbie! And like, it makes my sister so happy. They, Israel had lost so much that David had established for them. And in a sense, really, Asa was reclaiming things politically and socially and morally for the people that they had lost through Solomon, through Rehoboam, and some might have been rebuilt, recaptured through Amazah. But the invitation from the Lord, but you, was not just to... It really was to do what's right in his own life, that self-determination, but really for the people as a political leader. that There are things you can do, political decisions and power you have as a king, that you can make things better for everybody and make things right with the Lord. And so he removed the things that were offensive, that were evil and contrary to the Lord. He removed them, and the thing that would reestablish the things of faith, obedience, truth, holiness, joy, hope, and peace... He rebuilt those things. That altar being rebuilt represents all of that because that's all the Lord offers us through obedience. When we're obedient to the Lord and we're right with the Lord, there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. And those are all good things. When we're right with the Lord, we'll think on those things that are praiseworthy and honorable and, and good to the Lord. Things that are true, just, and noble. See, the fruitful life with the Lord that we choose or choose not to have, it really does go forward by what we remove and by what we build and restore. And I remember when I was coaching the Chilean surf team, the Olympic surf team with Manuel Selman, who did go to the Olympics, that first Olympic experience in 2021. And I remember working with Manuel Selman. He's a very bright guy, very great athlete too, and super driven. Of course, he's an Olympian. And He's an outstanding athlete, very elite, highest level. Speaks English like a first language, too. And he was kind of hit a wall like a, uh, about six months. It was after I retired from the U.S. surf team. We got together in Oceanside, and he kind of hit the wall because he was trying to qualify for the Olympics, get one of those 20 spots for that first Olympics. And I said, Manuel, the way you're going to make the Olympics is you need to figure out one thing that you need to remove from your life by 10 to 20% from your career and your personal life. And then you need to identify one thing that you can add to your life by 10 to 20% that will improve your life as a person and your, as an athlete. I never thought of that before. It's like it just came to me in that moment, talking to him. He's like, wow, that totally makes sense. That's exactly what he did. He got the last spot in the Olympics. He was the 20th qualifier for the first Olympic surfing experience representing Team Chile in the Olympics. And my good friend... Magna Martinez, who replaced me as the coach of Team Chile, was his coach in the Olympics. I watched them at that event. It was amazing. 
It's true in athletics, but it's way more important and way more true. Because what does it say in Timothy? Godliness for ex- uh, physical, go- physical exercise profits, you know, somewhat, but temporal. But godliness, pro- uh, practicing and exercising godliness has great gain and great profit. That's what we want to do. Recognize in our life, listen, before we move on to this last point, recognize clearly and emphatically, isn't it, even as we're moving forward in the second half of this year, are there things that need to be removed that are holding back the peace, the power, the promises, and the blessings? And are there things that I need to go after more fervently that will accentuate and build that? You know, we talk about the consistency of good decisions. We talk about a pattern of life with good decisions. It creates momentum. And you're going like you're on that, remember the playground on this, the, the wheel, the, the rounder wheel, and you're all doing this. You're going in the right direction. And then, man, remember when someone come alongside and really get it moving? That's the inertia of full acceleration in the midst of the momentum. That's how you hit the super zone with the Lord. You're, you're going like this with the Lord. You're going like this, and you get rid of things that are holding you back, and then now you're getting, and all of a sudden you just kick it in another gear, and off you go. And who knows, this might be the year of the Lord for you or me. Jennifer came to me today, my wife, and she said, hey, I read this devotion and that devotion, and they were both today about the return of Christ. And I said, ooh. And, you know, my phone with all my stuff. And Jennifer's like, she just knows I got my phone. These are things for the day. These are my goals. These are my reviews and all that stuff. I go, look at the number one thing every day. D-O-L is the number one thing. Day of the Lord. I remind myself every day the number one thing is this could be the day of the Lord. Not just that he's coming for everybody, but he's coming for me. I wanna, You be worried about you for day of the Lord. I'm worried about me. I'm thinking about me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowing the Lord can come any day for you and me, which he will come and only come once for you, to be ready for the day of the Lord. What do we need to remove that God will bless for removing? It's addition by subtraction, actually, right? You lighten your load. And what do we need to add to really increase the inertia and the power and the momentum of those good things of the Lord in our life? Only the Lord has those answers for you and me personally. Then we see the final thing here in verse 9. I love this. It says, so he did all this, and then all of a sudden verse 9 says, then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. This is very easy to understand. This is what we call an effective witness. This is what we call being salt of the earth, letting your light so shine before men that they glorify your Father and the, in heaven because of your good works. This is what we really want our life to be, to be a, a light and a witness for the Lord, but an inspiration for others. When we accept responsibility for ourselves and and people hang out with us and we're not blaming the boss. We're not blaming the president. We're not blaming the marine layer. We're not blaming the heat and the humidity. We're not blaming sharks, dolphins, or anything in between. Because I've seen both this year. (laughs) Like, great personal growth with the Lord goes forward. And in general, even apart from the Lord, when we no longer make excuses... And we don't focus on things we have no control over, but we're focused on. But you, but you, be strong. 
Strengthen yourself. Don't let your hands be weak, for your work will be rewarded when we just simply embrace what God has for us, and there's no more distractions. We're free. We're just free from the distractions. There's such clarity of purpose with the Lord. And when we live a life like that, and we're letting the Lord remove things, and we're letting him add the things, and we're removing that which is of the flesh and pride and stumbling, and we're, we're adding that which is of the spirit and humility and blessing, people see it. People love to hang out with people that have humility and are spirit-filled. They may not know that's why they like having you around, but we're a blessing. And sometimes people don't want the light, so they expel the light. We understand that. Jesus said that. You might be the best employee, and they just had to get rid of you because they're just living in sin, and they see you every day, and it just convicts them of their sin, and they can't take it, and they need to get you out of there. That happens. But most smart people know, like Pharaoh knew when you hired Joseph in the palace, that this guy is going to make me a lot of money. This guy is going to bring blessings on my life. Joseph in the Old Testament, in Pharaoh's house, well, he brought blessings to his dad, Jacob, before his brothers betrayed him. In Pharaoh's house, Pharaoh prospered because of him. In the prison, the prisoner, the prison guard and the prisoners prospered because of him. And then when he became the number two man in all Egypt, all of Egypt and the surrounding nations prospered because of him. And he's in Hebrews 11 for his faith. He was a man of faith. And you as a woman... And me as a man, and us as men, when we let God, when we accept responsibility without excuse, we embrace opportunity, you know, as, you know, not the obstacles, but the opportunities in that. And we do that with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we just go forward and upward and onward and forward. Then it becomes contagious for the people around us. People, they, they're, they're drawn to that light. Because that light is a light of faith, hope, and love. And that's the light of the kingdom. It's the light of eternity and the joy of the Lord shining in their lives through you and I, and it's our influence on people. When people see the blessings upon your marriage because you remove the things that are offensive, bitterness and pride, anger, lust, unbridled lust, things like that, like selfishness, people see the blessing on your marriage. When they see how you manage your resources, that you're not in debt, but you're right side up because you live within your means, because you let the Holy Spirit guide you and teach you discipline and self-control because godliness with contentment is great gain. And you learn how to live within your means. And people are drawn to that. They see you the head, not the tail. Because that's what the Lord allows us to be. And like, wow, I'm always the tail. In fact, I'm always chasing my tail. Why do you seem like you have vision and clarity and purpose in everything you're doing? Because I, you know, I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all things are added to me. How did you know to make those good decisions? Because I seek the Lord and he gave me wisdom. The Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, he'll give it to him. You come into inheritance, ask the Lord what to do with it. And he'll give you wisdom what to do with it. Or you can be a fool in your folly and just waste it. But if you remove the things, short-term thinking, small-minded thinking, selfish thinking, carnal thinking, and replace it with kingdom thinking, sowing bountifully, the kingdom, people, serving, blessing, like, God's going to bless you. And people are going to see that and go like, how'd you get the blessings? You're like, come over here and I'll give you the blessings. Or as Pastor Chuck used to always say, right, under the spout, where the glory comes out. Yeah, our God's a blessing God. Come, let's, come, let's get under this mountain. Like, how, how is it that, you know, you got slandered, thrown under the bus, and you didn't even respond? Now, what's the respond? The Lord give it, the Lord take it. Like the book of Job. He, he can give it, he can give some more. And if he doesn't, who wants it? If he doesn't replace it, then it's a snare for me to go get it. So it's better just to let the Lord build the house. Solomon himself said, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. 
When people see our actions and reactions as a spirit-filled woman and a spirit-filled man by, again, choosing the right things, removing the wrong things, and adding the right things, it just, it's the work of the Lord, and they see it. The work is in us, in our character, and how we are as people of faith, and then it's through us in, in how we just handle things. It, it's a beautiful thing to live by faith and let the Lord just work through our life. You're little Miss Sunshine. You're Mr. Happy Face. It's not a perfect day every day. It's not a great day every day, but we're going forward every day, and we're making good decisions as a whole. That's, that's how it's meant to be. And in being that way, we inspire others. When we strengthen ourselves and we take courage and we don't have weak hands, right? So many people seem like they're kind of weak and impotent these days. There's no power. It's like the old Warner Brothers cartoons, bang, sign, bang. There's no power. We need some, like when people really see that the power of the Lord and the love of the Lord and the fruit of the Lord and the blessings of the Lord, man, it's a beautiful thing. And it says they gathered. They gathered. That's what our life is. Our life with Christ is gathering people to Christ through the light of Christ in our life. Our life in Christ is gathering people because the, the, we're salt and they're, and they're thirsting for the living water. And Jesus said he's the living water. That's our life. Again, some people don't come to the light because they love darkness. But you know, a lot more people come to the light when they see the quality of life in the light. And Jesus draws men to men and women to himself. Jesus could make your greatest adversary fall on their face and acknowledge your faith in one second. We know when the angel of the Lord shows up in the Old Testament, hey, everybody's on their face on the ground. And you think, why doesn't the Lord do that? Why doesn't he just say, get saved or else? You know, like everyone, you know, the whole universe, the whole planet, eight billion people on their face, get saved now or else. Like, no, that's not how the Lord works. That's not self-determined choice. That's robotic. That's not how the Lord works. And he chooses to work through you and me. That's the most amazing thing, right? The glorious gospel works through you and me. The keys of the kingdom are entrusted to us, not by what we conquer, but how we serve and how we live. Asa made really good decisions. He was held accountable, but you, and when God said, be strong and do not let your hands be weak, he heeded that. And he took courage, and he removed this, and he restored that. And in in so doing, his courage and his faith and his actions inspired not only the people that he inherited as a king, Judah and Benjamin, but people from other tribes were drawn to him. In other words, the influence of his life exceeded the boundaries that probably anyone would have thought his life could have been. In other words, you need a bigger vision. Or you need a bigger net. Or you need another boat to help you with what's in your net, like in the Gospels. Small-minded obedience becomes big-minded fruit with the Lord. And all those good decisions year after year, day after day, year after year, produce an incredible inspiration and influence in your life. His life was an inspiration and it was a great influence on his generation. He reigned 41 years. He was, he, some things went bad the last few years of his life, but that was his choice. What if you and I were there and we're inspired by him when he removed these things and restored the altar and we decided we're going to obey the Lord and even though the king, like, oh, the king's got, like, oh, the king's in trouble right now. He made a deal with Ben-Hadad. Yeah, you hear his foot's all, he's got a foot problem right now and, and he threw the prophet in jail. Like, well, 
too bad for the king, but, you know, we're going to do the right thing in our house in Judah. You see what I'm saying? Even though he went bad doesn't mean any of these people had to go bad. Because a king goes bad doesn't mean we have to go bad. Because a boss goes bad doesn't mean we have to go bad. Because a spouse goes bad doesn't mean we have to go bad. Because parents go bad doesn't mean we have to go bad. Because children go bad doesn't mean we have to go bad. We choose to do the right thing. And to choose the fear of the Lord and obedience to the Lord is the wisest choice we'll make every single day. And will always have blessings upon it. And in so doing, our work, that workmanship from before the foundation of the world that God has called us to, and through obedience, entering to it becomes destiny of our life. That work will be rewarded for all eternity. So keep removing the things that should be removed and keep adding the things that should be added. And don't worry what the score looks like right now. It'll all play out on the day of the Lord. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.